Thank you for supporting Overcomers Christian Center. From wherever you're listening, we hope that today's message leaves you feeling empowered and equipped. Did you notice in the book of John 17, verse 1 through 5, these words, Jesus spoke these words, lifted these words, these words, I should say, lifted, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that you may that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I want you to know something about verse 3. And this is eternal life. What is eternal life? That you, that they may know you. Interesting statement that the Lord makes there. We'll talk about that a little bit more as we get into it. Verse 4. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Based on what I read to you, I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this topic. He prayed for us. To have eternal life. I hope you see that in the scripture. He prayed for us to have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for everything that's taken place. Thank God I agree with the prayers that are going forth. Thank God for the anointing, the power of Jesus. Help us to learn, to grow, to mature in the word of God and the ways of God. Continue to fill us with the Holy Spirit. Continue to have your way in our lives. And we love you. We give you glory honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Let those that agree say amen. John has recorded one of the last, we ain't going to say the last, but one of the last prayers that Jesus prays before he goes to the cross at Calvary. John is a unique position because John was what we consider the beloved disciple. He had a close relationship with Jesus. So if anybody would have heard what Jesus prayed, John would have. I'm not saying the other disciples did not, but of course John recorded it and we're reading about it today. One of the reasons that he recorded it, in my opinion, is that because he was so close to Jesus that he actually heard him pray. He heard him pray. And so therefore he records the words here in this particular text. And in this prayer, this is the prayer before he goes, one of the prayers he prays before he goes to Calvary. And he, one of the emphasis that I see here in the text we're going to talk about a little bit is he gives man a chance for eternal life. He gives man a chance for eternal life. You find this in John 17 and verse 2. As he have given him authority over all flesh that he should give, notice this, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. So when, if we belong to Jesus, we have an opportunity to receive eternal life. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. I, I, a few things I want to say about that, but let me go back to verse 1. 17, verse 1. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. This hour, this hour we've been preparing for for a long time. It's come. It's here. It's here. And he makes this statement here. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. 
So he says he asked the Father to glorify him. So in turn, he could glorify the Father. He, he asked the Father to honor him, to magnify him, to cause dignity and work to come forth. He's been telling people that he's going to rise again in three days. Don't let that word fall back on deaf ears. Understand that I've told people that if they tore the temple down, I will build it back up again. Honor me with that. Show dignity with that. Back up what I ask you to do in this particular case. Now, not like he wasn't going to do it, but it was good to see Jesus pray that. Why? Because it gives us a good example. That when we pray God's word, we know his word is not going to return back to him void. But it's going to accomplish everything he set it out to do. We have confidence in that. We have trust in that. We have assurance in that. That's why faith comes by hearing and hearing about the word of God. The more we hear the word, the more we pray the word, the more we talk the word, the more we think the word, then the more we see the word come to pass in our life. And that's a wonderful thing. The word is powerful, is it not? And that's why many times when you look at something like that, you think about that all the time that God prepares us through Sunday school. He prepares us through our devotion time. He prepares us through our morning worship. He prepares us through revivals. He's prepared us because he knows there's an hour where the word going to need to come to pass in your life. When you're fighting against something that's coming against you, you need the word working for you when your hour comes. You may be at work when your hour will come. You may be at home when your hour will come. You may be shopping when your hour will come. But everybody going to have an hour. Some of you probably had one this week. Y'all, for all I know, you had an hour this week. We said, God, I don't need your word to work right now. I need to know that your word is real. I need to know that weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning. I need to know that you a healer, God. I'm being challenged in my body. I need to know you a healer. I need to know that you're going to supply every one of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I need to know. I need wisdom in this situation because I don't know what to do, God, but I know you know what to do, how to do it in the matter of time and to do it in. I trust you with that. And everybody got an hour we must be prepared for. An hour we must be prepared for. He says this, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. So it's turn your son may glorify you. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, as ye have given, given him authority over all flesh, that he should give, notice this, that he should give eternal life to as many you have given him. You're going to give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Now, in order to prepare for eternal life, we start with submitting our life to Jesus. Now, you want eternal life, you got to, first of all, give your life to Jesus. You got to believe in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our master. You got to believe that Jesus died back at the cross at Calvary. He was buried and that he got up from that grave and he's alive right now. Now, let me say this to you. Believe he's alive right now because he is. He is alive. I'm not talking about is he getting ready to be alive. He's alive right now. I'm alive right now. He is more alive than the breath that you breathe right now. He is more alive than what you can see right now. He is more alive than anything you can experience right now. Jesus is alive. And it's good to know he's alive. It's good to know he's alive. Now, the word of God teaches us how to operate as a believer here on earth, just as Jesus did when he was on earth. What do you mean by that, Pastor? When you become born again, when you submit your life to Jesus, you got to know how to live here on earth. You got to know how to live here. You got to know how to talk. You got to know how to think. You got to know how to act. And this is, don't happen overnight. 
This is a process of time that we all must be a part of. That's why we attend Bible studies. That's why when things come up, we go to the word of God to find out what God says, how we should act in this situation. And I thank God when we mess up, we can repent. Hallelujah to God. Woo, sha, ta, ta, ta. One of my favorite scriptures, 1 John 1 and 9. When you mess up, I'm sorry, let me, let me read to you like it says. If, if, if we, if we uh, mess up or we commit a sin, we ask God to forgive us. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like to put it like this. When you mess up, God will forgive you if you ask him. If you, if you come short of the mark, God will forgive you if you ask him. Do not be afraid to go to God when you mess up. Do not be afraid to go to God and say, God, you know what? I messed up. It's no secret to God anyway. He just waited for you to come to him to ask him to forgive you. Well, Pastor, don't he know I messed up? Should he know I asked him to forgive before I have given? No. The, us asking him to forgive us is for us. It's not for him. It's for us. It's for us to acknowledge that we sin. It's for us to acknowledge we missed the mark. It's for us to acknowledge we came up short. So in turn, we can go to God and say, God, you know what? I did wrong. I messed up. But thank God you shed your blood back on, at the cross at Calvary so I can go come to you and say, God, you know what? I, this is why you shed your blood, Dean. I know I got a lot of it I, 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 I need to account for, but I, this is why you shed your blood. I, I'm so grateful that you did, God. I'm so grateful that you did. How many grateful that he just shed his blood for you back on the cross at Calvary? Oh, boy, that's just, I can stay right there. I'm telling you, boy, he shed his blood for each and every one of us. And so when he shed his blood, we can go to him asking to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But this teaches how to act. This teaches how, what we need to do while we're here on the earth. See, the word of God is there to teach us how to operate as a believer. It teaches how to give. It teaches how to love one another. It teaches us how to think, how to talk, how to act in any given situation. Teaches how to treat family members. Teaches how to treat enemies. Teaches how to treat uh, co-workers. Teaches how to treat family. I mean, just a number of different things because G Jesus is an expert in every situation. There's not one subject he's not an expert in. I'm talking about a super expert, if I can use that word. He's brilliant. God is brilliant in every subject matter. You know people that are good in some subject matter, but they're not good in every subject matter. Well, Jesus is good in every subject matter. And so he knows how, what to do and how to tell you that. He knows how to handle your family. He knows how to handle uh, financial situations. He knows what's going on with your body. He is brilliant in every aspect of your life. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. So God teaches how to operate while we're here on earth. Now, what I find kind of interesting, I want you to read again in verse 2. As you have given him, notice this, authority over all flesh. That's powerful to me. He's given him authority over all flesh. Think about it. He's taking Jesus, the ultimate one. He's been given authority over all flesh. Now, that's part of the glory. The glory that the Lord was praying about, that he was, he had authority over all flesh. According to John 17, verse 2, as you just read there. As you have given him authority over all flesh. That's, that's a twofold meaning there. One of the meaning is that he has power. He has control. He has influence. He has strength and ability over all human nature. 
Every human nature God got authority over. Now, this is what you got to understand. Even though he has authority, he will not stop you acting out your human nature. God is a gentleman. He loves you just that much. He ain't going to make you do nothing. He will influence you to do what's right, but he will not make you do what's right. If that's the case, we'll become robots. And then the, the love is taken out of it because one of the definition of love is choice. If, if somebody's going to make you love them, they don't really... They ain't no real love right there. They ain't gonna make, you know, it's made. I, I want them to come back to me because I miss them and I, they should love me. You can't make them come back to you and love you. When they got the dope, they got the dope. And, well, I can't say that. I would say in my opinion, let them go, but that's, I ain't gonna say that, um, at least not too loud, okay? So he's giving him authority. Well, I like this. He gives the control over all ungodly desires. He's giving him influence or giving him power or strength and ability to handle, to handle the nature of man apart from divine influence. Now, this is another definition that I, I should have added, but I thought about it as I was thinking about it, is that he also has authority over every human being that ever walk the earth or ever will walk the earth. Therefore, when human beings come to him, they can't say that I'm going to tell you that you're going to put me in heaven because I got authority over you. Either you're going to be with Jesus or you're not going to be with Jesus. Are y'all seeing that? No, no, no human being going to come to him after resurrection at judgment seat. They're going to look at, you know, either at judgment seat of Christ or the great white, white throne judgment. If you're the one where you basically put it like this, either you're going to be saved in that, in that line or the unsaved in that line. If you're in the unsaved, you're going to be telling Jesus you're going to the saved side. Hold on. What do you mean, Jesus? I'm going, to be, I'm going to be over here in hell. Oh, no. I don't want to go over there. Just weeping and gnashing the teeth. Well, you're going to tell Jesus where you're going to go after you die. Y'all know that, right? It's time to get your act together right now. Today is the day of salvation. You ain't going to, wait, listen, he gives, he even knows, even when he went to the, the, the thief at the cross, he gave that man a chance right there, both of them a chance to get saved. One accepted it, one didn't. The one that didn't, hey, he didn't, he didn't receive it. God would not make you do anything. But notice, he gave that man, one that was getting ready to die, one last chance before he died. That's, that's mercy, ain't it? That's grace right there. And you know, some people probably been mad, the one he committed the crime against. They were probably mad at him because of what he did, or he did. But God said, you know what, I'm going to have mercy upon you. And that's God. God is a merciful God. That gave that man one more chance. That's for you can't really, you know, sometimes when we do services, um, even though we may not know whether or not that person is in heaven or hell, we just don't say some people, you know, but some people can make a, a confession at the last minute and God will forgive them and they'll be in heaven. And that's amazing. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, they'll live their whole life for some. And at the last second before they take their last breath, they repent of their sins and Jesus will forgive them. That's how merciful it is. You say, it's not fair, God. This ain't, this ain't, this ain't us, y'all. We don't have authority over all flesh. We don't have control uh, over all 
human, uh, the nature of man apart from divine influence. That ain't us. God did not give us that type of authority. He gave it to the master, the king of kings and the lord of lords. He gave it to him. It wasn't for us. And we thank God he gave it to him. Can you imagine some of us was in control? Yeah, I shaking our head. Boy, it'd be sad. Cause, now, it'd be good for a moment because we've been got some folks back that did it wrong. But that would not be the merciful way that God wants it done. Because let me say, we have mercy who we want to have mercy on, but then again, there'd be some folks that will let we, you know. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's why Jesus knew what he was doing when he was the one who got authority over all flesh. And I believe truly, when we looked at that first definition, one of the definitions is, is his own human nature, his own desires, his own nature. I believe he had to have power over any desire that would take him out of the will of God, and we need that power in our lives as well. Let me tell you something. God had power over everything that came his way to try to take him out of the will of God. Anything that would try to take him out of the will of God, he said, I'm not going to let you take me out of the will of God. And that was so important. Why is that so important? Remember we talked about he's going to Calvary? When that canine tail came across his back, he had to have more authority than what that pain was going through his body. That pain was real, y'all. Don't you ever let you think that it wasn't real. The pain was real. The nail in his hands was real. That's real. I can't only take a splinter. I can't imagine putting a nail through my hand. They nailed his feet to that cross. He had to have authority. He could not go in there with wishing, oh, I wonder will it work if I get to this point. He couldn't go in there talking about, well, you know what? This might work and it may not work. He had to know before he went. His mind had to be made up. But I thought about us. We need authority over our, anything to try to come at us that would try to take us out of the will of God. How do we get that authority? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will help all of us, all of us, anything that tries to take us out of the will of God, the Holy Spirit can help all of us. Isn't it good to know the Holy Spirit to help you in when anything tries to take you out of the will of God, the Holy Spirit will help you? How do you think you stayed in the will this long? Thank y'all. Two of y'all got that day. Two of y'all got that day. How in the world do you think you stayed in it this long? It wasn't you. It was the Holy Spirit working through us. Now, he had to work with you, but you know, if the Holy Spirit didn't work with you, oh, God, woo-wee. You might have left. You might have did something out of the will and not repented of it. You might have did all types of things, but the Holy Spirit helped each and every one of us. How do you think we did it? Holy Spirit had to work in us. That's why we need to be filled constantly. Constantly. That's why in the, in the book of Acts chapter 4, they say, we need to be filled again. Nothing wrong with asking God to fill you again. Part of my prayer is that we all be constantly filled with the Holy Spirit. Even the young people, young ones need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. In school, they need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. At their job, in your business, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so important to each and every one of us. I, part of my prayer is musicians be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
music ministry be filled with the Holy Spirit, helps team be filled with the Holy Spirit, lay members be filled with the Holy Spirit, kitchen members be filled with the Holy Spirit, those working helping hands be filled with the Holy Spirit, those amen ministers be filled with the Holy Spirit, audio team be filled with the Holy Spirit, because we all need help when ungodly desires come our way. Oh, you know we pray for armor bearers to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They, they too close not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They see too much not to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit whatever you do. Oh, I pray that when you get in your house, you need the Holy Spirit is inside of you. I pray when you start dealing with your loved ones, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray when you go, when you go your, uh, your place of business or you do your, uh, operate your business, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. When you go to your job, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Part of my, our prayer, not just my prayer, but that one sitting beside you, they praying the same thing. That one sitting next to you, they praying the same thing. They praying that we be all filled with the Holy Spirit. I know you praying fast and I'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, ain't you? Oh God, you ain't gonna pray your pastor can be filled with the Holy Spirit? He can tell you this anything if he ain't filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to hear a word from God that's gonna help you when you deal with the devils on Thursday. When you deal with them devils Friday afternoon, you need the Holy Spirit to help you. So you don't need none of this, this, this. You need to make sure I hear so I can tell you. So in turn, and I believe true, that's a word for all of us, that we all need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So notice it said in verse 2, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he, notice what it says, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given so now we've, we've given our life to Jesus. As we've given our life to Jesus, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit is there to help us in our everyday walk, how we do things. And God is praying that we have eternal life. He desires for us to have eternal life with him as it's written in this particular text. Eternal means without beginning, without end. Let me say, Holy Spirit, when you... Let me, let me say something before I go into this this and make sure we understand this when you when God made you he made you to live forever it just who you going to live with and God is such a gentleman he loves us this much he's not going to force you to be with him he's not going to force nobody to be with him i mean he's not if you don't want to be with him he ain't going to force you to be with him if he if he has I like what one person uh, said. If he has sent you love letter after love letter, preacher after preacher, people witnessing to you, you know love letters, right? John, Mark, Luke, Matthew. It, uh, if he has sent you all them love letters and then he has sent preacher after preacher, minister after minister, lay person after lay person to witness to you, and you still don't want to be with him, he ain't going to force it. I mean, God loves you too much to force him. I mean, look, I know some of this from pretty women in this room. You probably had some boys or men that tried to chase you and would not take no for an answer. That's not a good feeling. That's not a good feeling. Some of y'all sisters said amen, are you? I know. I know my daughter had because I've been praying for her. She don't tell me too much because I'll be going to get in the car and ride somewhere. But I <laughs> said, bro, Sam, meet me over here. <laughs> Now bring yourself. <laughs> See, that, that's right. 
That's why they don't let me know stuff like that. Cause I, I, I well, y'all pray. <laughs> All right, but see, you, I mean, if you, you don't want him, you don't want him. He'll text you and, and call you and try to throw them, them weak lines on you. You're just like, man, get away from me. It's a tired. But you'll love me because I can do it. No, 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 man, sit down somewhere. That is, God, God ain't going to force himself on you like that. He is not going to force himself on you like that. So now, keep that in mind. That's why we make a daily choice as to where we will spend eternal life. See, when you want to spend eternal life with Jesus, you say, God, I want to spend time with you today. Because eternal life didn't start after you die. Eternal life starts when you give your life to Jesus. And so now you're just spending time with him. Right now you're in the flesh, but one day you're going to have a glorified body. It ain't going to be no problem spending time with him to glorify body. See, you may get a little tired now, but spending time with Jesus. Oh, walking on the streets paved with gold. Woo-wee. Hallelujah. You ain't got to worry about getting tired. You ain't got to worry about your body aching no more. You ain't got to worry about how you pay that bill, put some gas in the car, what you're eating after service today. You ain't got to worry about none of that kind of stuff. You ain't got to worry about none of that because you have that glorified body. Woo! You ain't worry about if you took it or didn't take it. <laughs> you ain't got to worry about none of that kind of stuff. Woo, because we got the glorified body. And that body is meant to speak with Jesus forever. Thank God. Either we'll spend eternal life with Jesus or be separated from Jesus forever. But the choice is ours. The choice is ours. But we spend, every day we spend time with Jesus. Every day we spend time with Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Now, let's go on to verse 3. Because verse 3 is kind of interesting to me because it says something that really is powerful. He said, and this is eternal life. He then tells us what eternal life is. And this is eternal life, that you may, that they may know you. I thought that was interesting. Because he said eternal life is that I may know the Father. That's what he said. I mean, it's it's pretty simple, but it seems simple when I first read it. That you may know, that I may know you. I may know you. So, to know him. The Lord explained eternal life is that I may know him. No means to be aware of. No means that I'm going to understand him. I'm going to have knowledge about him. I'm going to perceive him. And my favorite definition is to learn about him. If you're really going to spend time with him, you really need to learn about it. Learn about it. And let me say this to you. It is well worth our while to learn about Jesus. It is well worth our while to learn about the master. If I'm going to spend eternity with him, I want to know who I want to spend eternity with. It's amazing because some people, when they, when they think they know about Jesus, they don't want to spend time with him. They really don't know the Jesus. Because if you really know about him, you really want to spend time with him. That's why it's important that we get knowledge and understanding. Because when you have knowledge and understanding, you, yeah, I really want to know him. Anybody that would do all that for me? And you, and the more you examine your own personal life, oh God, I wasn't worth it. But you love me enough, you say, you know, I died for him. 
But he messed up again. Oh, but I love him. I'm like, God, he loved me. You know how he loved me? He don't love me because I'm doing good. Because it's his goodness. No, no, none good but the Father. He loved me because the, the way I, I just because I love, I said to him. It ain't real deep, y'all. It ain't no rocket science. You ain't got to clean yourself up before Jesus loves you. He loves you just the way you are. And then he allows you. See, because I love him, I clean myself up. Because I love him, I want to give God glory on a Sunday morning or a Tuesday afternoon or riding down the road. I'm listening to something. Ooh, this is good right here, God. Thank you. Because I love him. I love him. Oh, I thank God. I love him. But let's talk about Noah for a moment. I know him. One reason, see, to know Jesus says to follow. I know him as holy. First Peter 1, 16. Be ye holy for I am holy. Without which no one can see the Lord. Holy means I'm morally, excuse me, morally pure, set apart. When it, one of the processes you go through, being morally pure and set apart. So I've got to be holy because he's holy. God makes no mistakes. Anytime you make a mistake, you don't understand what's going on. Maybe say, well, God took my loved one. Well, if he gave life, he got, he got the right to take it when he wants to, right? I mean, you, if it's yours, you have the right to take it when you want to. That, that's his problem. Not, we ain't got nothing to do with that. Not a human being can tell God when he's going to take a life. Not a human being. We can pray, but when, when it's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that, the resurrection, hey, when that appointment time comes, that's him. That's him. That's why we got to be ready. That's why we got to be ready. Number two. To learn what he has done and what he's going to do. And let me say this to you. Uh, one of the things we need to know about God, one of the definitions of love is this. He has your best interest in mind. He has your best interest in mind. And let me say this to you. One of the, uh, when you love someone, you got their best interest in mind. You got their best interest in mind. Now, let me say this to you. When... You have their best interest in mind. It doesn't always translate to them at first that you got their best interest in mind. Every parent should have said amen right there. Because parents can see some things their children can't see. And so they're going to say, hey, you don't need to do this right here. Well, I'm, I'm... no, I got your best interest in mind. I got your best interest in mind. God knows us better than anybody else. And so when God says, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, he's got our best interest in mind. You know he got our best interest in mind. I, we pray some things and God said, not well, or do this or do that. He's got our best interest in mind. Every time God does something, he has our best interest in mind. One of the definitions of love. One of the definitions of love. Three, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So if I know him, I got to go his way. I got to follow his path. Another definition for way is mode of thinking, talking, and acting. If I'm going to go his way, I'm going to do it the way I'm going to think like him, talk like him, 
and act like him. I'm going to do it like that because John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. So if I know him, I'm going to follow his way. And let me say this to you. The more you know about him, you realize he has the best way. He has the best way. But if you don't know him, you think he's taking you on a pathway. Oh, you know that Jesus sometimes see on these roads like, God, why am I on this road right here? Oh, oh you ever walk by faith, not by sight? Why am I on this road right here? <laughs> you better know. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Come on now, come on now, uh, David. You better know that sometimes that walking by, by faith and not by sight ain't always a pretty road. Because, you know, what you see on the road when he says, uh, that road right there, it ain't always. But, you know, that's why he said, you know what, joy come up in the morning. Woo, sha, ta, ta, ta. You know what come up at night before, though, right? <laughs> Woo! Some weeping. <laughs> hey, it's a reason you're weeping, too, y'all. Ain't no joke. It's a reason you're weeping. <laughs> but he said, Joe coming in the morning. Hallelujah. And don't those seem like some of the longest nights? Thank y'all so much. So, so did anybody get it? Me and you. Miss Smith, come on, give me some, give me some pound over there. But I'm telling you, everybody else like, oh, no, I'm all right with that. I'm shh, please. <laughs> My night be like, whoo, good night. I be looking out the window, seeing any sun coming up anywhere. <laughs> Any sun. Can I get this a beak of sun? Can I get this a tad bit of sun? All right, anyway, I'm, I'm sorry. I digress just for a moment. Uh, Lord, I'll I put three, three. All right, number, number four. He has sent me a pastor to feed me knowledge and understanding. Feed me to guide and to govern. So in turn, I can follow divine instructions. Let me say this to you. One of the most important instructions you will ever get is divine instructions. Divine instructions are one of the most important instructions you will ever receive. Because divine instructions will navigate you through the trials and tribulations of life. Let me tell you what divine instruction will do. It will help you to understand why you're dealing with what you're dealing with. Divine instructions will help you to understand why you give. You may not see the immediate return, but you know, hey, this is working for me. Divine instructions. Divine instructions will have you to sow a special seed, and God will in turn bless you like he never blessed you before. That's divine instruction. Divine instruction will say, hey, I need to go pray for this person over here. And you pray for them, and you, don't, you think that nothing's happening. But because you pray for them, God released something on your behalf. Divine instructions. Divine instructions will tell you to do something. And you don't, listen, many times you do it the way God tell you to do it. Where you do it at, you don't receive the harvest there. You receive it. Divine instructions. Divine instructions will get, get your better is here and better is coming. Divine instructions will have you doing stuff on your job. And you're like, i got to work unto the, as unto the Lord. And, and then you're like, why in the world am I doing this? And, and see, man will try to determine your salary, but God will determine your income. Divine instructions. 
Because he'll, he'll open up a door. Listen, stuff be on sale all the time for you. You'll be like, how in the world can And they're like, what? How do you do all this right here? Divine instructions. Divine instructions. That's why God, God always gives us divine instructions on a week-by-week basis. Oh, you get divine instruction in him. Because if I get them, I know y'all get them. Unless you didn't miss them. Divine instruction. Divine instruction will help you to love your neighbors. Divine instruction will help you to do what's right. Hallelujah. Thank God for divine instructions. So if I, I'm going to know Jesus, now this, this, this list is not limited, but there's a few things to think about. Because remember now, to know Jesus is to have eternal life. That's the scripture says, right? So I'm going to know Jesus. I'm going to know him as, as holy. Let's say, be holy for I'm holy. I'm going to learn what he has done and what he's going to do according to the scripture. Remember, he's got my best interest in mind. You always got to remember that. Let me stay right there just for a moment. You always got to remember, whatever you go through in life, God has your best interest in mind. Things don't always have to go the way you want, but you remember all things are working together for your good because you love God and called according to his purpose. You always got to know that God got your best interest in mind. He always got your best interest. And let, let me say this for some of us who don't always do everything right. Even when you don't do it right sometimes, he's still going to make sure it's going to work out for your good. That's why I'm always repenting. I don't want to mess nothing. Listen, I mess up, so I'm just repenting. I repent sometimes stuff I know, sometimes I don't know. Listen, you live this in this life with Jesus long enough, especially when you first get saved, you be doing stuff you don't realize you're doing wrong sometimes. I had to repent from stuff I talked to y'all over years in past. Like once saved, always saved. So now I had to repent of that. I mean, stuff you get when God revealed to you, you got to repent and get it right. All right, all right. Now, hallelujah. Now, number three, Jesus the way was the way, the path, the mode of thinking, talking, and acting, the truth and the life, based on John fourteen and six. And number four. He sent me a pastor to feed me with knowledge and understanding. So in turn, I could follow divine instructions. And this is what you got to understand. He would not make you follow divine instructions, but he will give them to you. And divine instructions mean, remember divine, simple definition, God assists us. When God gives you instruction, he's going to assist you and help you when it come to pass in your life. When we say divine, godly divine, there's, a, there's, a, there's an evil divine too. But a godly divine instructions will help you, God will help you to carry them out. All right? Now, I'm going to go on to our next point here in John 17 and verse, oh yeah, let's look at uh, and this, verse 3. And this is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth, and those who it says in verse 4, I have finished the work which you have given me to do. The Lord knew that he had finished the work he had been given, even though he still had to make his journey to Calvary. He finished his work. He had completed it. He had accomplished it. He had brought it to an end. It's interesting. Jesus went to the cross and he said something else. He said, it is finished. One of the things I thought about was this. When he makes this statement here. He's making it because he's calling those things that's not as though they were. He knew he would finish what he had started. 
He knew he would get to the point where he would go to the cross of Calvary. He would finish what God called him to do. And he would say, it is finished. He knew it. So he makes this statement there. And notice this. He has work to do. Work. That which one undertakes, the assignment, the deeds done. His assignment, he finished it. He finished his assignment. He had finished his assignment. I thought about it from this point. Many of us have assignments we must do for God. He has, we have assignments we must do for God. And we must finish our assignment. The Lord lets us know we have a work from God that we must complete regardless of the trials and tribulation we may face from the enemy. The world, our flesh, or whatever else may come our way. He knows we're going to have some things we got to deal with. We must learn how to work on Christ's list or our labor will be in vain. We can do a lot of different things. I thought about this from this standpoint. He had finished what God had instructed him to do. We can get caught up in doing things that are not in God's will and not finish what God called for us to do. I've been guilty of this. I'm going to teach you so you won't make the same mistake I have. Through divine instruction, I may have been told to read, let's say, Psalms 100. But I procrastinated. Fell asleep. Didn't read it. So I'll read it the next day. Got up in a hurry. Didn't read it then. So here I am, a few days later, having read what I'm supposed to have read. Best thing you can do when you get divine instruction is to carry it out right then. Right then. Don't procrastinate. Don't start doing other stuff so I get to it later. I'm going to watch my show. Let me tell you something. Great thing we have about DVR, I can stop a thing for an hour. I'll record it and watch it later. But that's just me. I'm just giving you an example of some stuff that I had to learn. I pray that y'all won't do make mistakes that I made. Make sure you do what God tells you to do. John 17, verse 5, our last scripture. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. When Jesus prays this prayer, remember he started out in the beginning, in verse 1. Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. Now he's taking us through the process where he wants his people, his children, to have eternal life. As many as he's given unto him. Life without, you know, eternal life, not just with anybody, but with him. He wanted us to have eternal life with him. And thank God he does. But remember, eternal life is that we may know him. We may know him. That is eternal life. So eternal life doesn't start after you die, but eternal life starts when you make Jesus Christ your Lord and your Savior. And so, thank God for eternal life. Now, at the conclusion, this isn't conclusion, but at a break in the prayer, because he's praying for himself here, as in the moment he's getting ready to pray for his disciples that were with him, he says this, And now, Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. What was that? Go to John 1.1. 1, 1. <clears throat> John chapter 1, verse 1 reads as follows. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
So in the beginning was Jesus, verse 14. And then the word, the word stepped down here on earth, verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Remember we talked about the glory earlier. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. So the, who he was before was the word. But the word stepped down into time and became flesh. Took on flesh. The flesh lasted approximately 33 and a half years. And God went, he went back to what he was before. He's our perfect example, y'all. As he was victorious here on the earth, when he went back and did what he did, he said, I finished, I've done what I've been instructed to do. Now, he's back to where he was before, and he is our example. He wants us to do the same thing, to be back to, with him forever. Thank God that when we leave here, we got hope. We have hope. Thank God we got hope. He prayed that we could have eternal life. And that he had, not only did he pray for, he made a way that so we could. We must constantly stay focused on the big picture. We have a daily chance to prepare for eternal life with the Lord Jesus Christ. He prayed for us to have Thank you so much for listening to today's message. Please subscribe to our podcast. And if you're ever in the Villarica area, you can visit us at 3193 South Van Wert Road in Villarica, Georgia, on Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 7. You can also reach us at 770-459-6221. That's 770-459-OCC1. Follow us on Facebook at Overcomers Christian Center and visit us online at occvr.org. We pray that you're empowered and equipped in today's world.